Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side, as our own little skyboy likes to say it. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about, you know, something that may be uh, impacting your life. Maybe you know somebody that uh, has ever called you fat before. Skyboy kind of never says it, but he always insinuates it. Uh, he doesn't even mean to insinuate it. He just looks at my belly and he always laughs. Don't you, Sky Boy? Yes. Which I call rude. I'm, I'm looking at your six ab, your six pack though. My All sixth those. ab? Your six, your six abs. <laughs> Have you numbered my abs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's an ab, but I appreciate it. So today, uh, Sky, I, when we heard about this topic, I thought totally of you. Why? Okay, because here's why. Apparently... There's this known discrimination now where we are tolerating certain people to be discriminated against. Okay? Gingers. Ginger snaps. Okay. Some people don't even know what a ginger is. A ginger would be a redhead, but no, that's not what we're talking about, okay. even though that's totally acceptable. Um, <laughs> we're talking about people that um, have put on some weight, people that for whatever reason are uh, heavier than other people. We have this weird... Um, what's it called? Just set of assumptions that the minute we see somebody at the store that's uh, overweight, we immediately start judging them. Like we think they're lazy, not as educated, not as smart. We think all of these things, boom, it pops into our heads. We're talking to an expert today about that. Now, the reason I thought of you. That's what I was waiting for. Because one of the things that seems to trigger us, and Merritt has been doing some research on this, is the 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 mirror. Mm. Our mirror starts to change us. Now, I just want you to tell everyone out in listener land, when you wake up in the morning and you go take your first look in the mirror, what do you say? Dang. Fine. I good. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> I knew <laughs> I knew you'd say something like that. What should you really be saying? Because, um, see, some people don't say, dang. <laughs> they say, Is this where you're supposed to, like, give yourself, like, a morale booster and be like, you can do it. You're no. strong. Well, but it's weird because I think the mirror warps us. Right, Merritt? Not you. But apparently <laughs> some people put on a face when they go to the mirror. No, no. Okay, this is the thing. I was reading through several blogs. Apparently there's this new thing to do. It's a mirror fast where you, for a month or so, for a a lot amount of time, you don't look in the mirror or any reflection or image of yourself whatsoever. Okay. Like completely deny yourself. How do you you shave? Do you have to grow a beard? I shave. I just I think there are like certain rules that you can like, you can like double check, but I don't. Depending Maybe on how you, you do you it. put like black over the mirror. Like, you know, those when certain cultures are in mourning, they'll cover mirrors, don't they? Or for holidays. You could like put black everywhere except right where you need to yeah, shave. Just yeah, just a shaving area. Yeah, there's just a shaving area. But so they actually have a fast. Yeah. And like, they abstain from looking in the mirror. They abstain from looking in the mirror. And so mm. I was reading through several blogs and there were some really interesting things that they said. Okay. For example, one one lady was saying that when she went, 
back to looking at the mirror, she realized how much control it had over her because she would like look at the mirror and be like, accept me. Like, do you like, like looking me? like, do I look beautiful? Like, like the mirror can even answer it's that. It's like Snow White. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty yeah. pathetic. So you, that... you go to the mirror for acceptance, for kind of uh, to guide what you're going to do that okay. day. Because just I don't do it for that. I go to the mirror to just see my ab work. You mean your role work. Sorry. See, there you go. That that was a perfect example. That was a perfect example of you being um, rude. No, but so I don't even like to look in the mirror. So is this because it seems like maybe that's probably the psyche of it. Like, because every time I go there to look in the mirror, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about. So you're letting the mirror make you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. We don't even have mirrors in our house. We have one mirror in the garage on the way out. You can just check your beard. <laughs> I don't know why my wife uses it. <laughs> but okay, so keep going. So they did the fast. Yeah, so one thing, a lot of control. Another thing that people noticed was that if they weren't looking at themselves all the time, they really didn't care about their appearance. They cared about being clean Yeah. and being presentable. Yeah, you want hygiene. Yeah, but they didn't care about being beautiful per se or you know being stunning or looking a certain way for a certain so they actually so not having a mirror but see that's true like if you've ever gone like hiking or camping for a week yeah you didn't have a mirror you didn't care Mm -hmm. that's true you don't care yeah you don't and see that's the thing is that our society is so obsessed with appearance that maybe we look at it constantly so that we'll have some sort of like acceptance yeah. or you know we let it have that power of us we let it take up a huge amount of our time oh interesting we should just ban all mirrors just get rid of all of them just get rid of well them. the cool thing about that is we'd all look messed but, but then, then that'd be normal well unless somebody's re- yeah but see that would be great the norm yeah. would be just a little disheveled well that's the story of the the two twin brothers the one was always meticulous and the other was always a mess because the meticulous guy would get up in the morning, see his brother was a mess, and he'd think, oh, "Okay, I gotta make sure I get all better. clean, get my hair cut, you know." Another guy would get up in the morning, he'd see his brother was meticulous. He'd go, "Yep, it runs in the family. Good looks." <laughs> and he wouldn't do a thing. It's the mirror image idea. Yeah. Well, hmm. okay, and here's this is my favorite finding. Okay, was that most of these people who do the mirror fast realized that they didn't really actually know what they looked like because when they looked in the mirror. They were so obsessed with their own perception of themselves that they would alter things. And this is the best part. They would make a face. Like you yeah. make your mirror face. Because, yeah. I mean, we all have picture faces, yeah. like the smile that we go yeah. to immediately whenever we're having What do they picture. call that look when the, you just did? There's a name for that. Blue steel. No. <laughs> no, not even close. Smolder. Smolder. Well, there's the smolder. But is that when they suck their cheeks in? Mm-hmm. Fish There's face? a name. Yeah. It's, it's like a duck face or duck a fish face. face. Yeah. Duck face is duck, duck face see, that's is something a Facebook, else. That's like a Facebook thing. Okay. No, the mirror face is something you don't do for Facebook. It's so you look there and you're like trying to alter your appearance so, so you look a certain way. You squint one eye. You Yeah. It's, yeah. But that's just so you look a certain way. So you look a certain way, the way that you want but yourself to look. But just for yourself. Okay. And I was <laughs> I was reading through this and I said, nah. That's silly. There's no way I do this. Yeah. I am way I'm above that. Well, you're way I don't above care about that. my appearance. Yeah. And I really I'm you like know who I'm not you are. I'm not a primper. I don't no. stand in front of the mirror for mm. half an hour and like You're not sky boy. You know. Yeah. yeah. I don't do that. Hour and a half. Sorry. Ooh, yeah. You know, I spend like twenty minutes getting ready and then yeah. so I just in the half hour before the show, 
I went over to the ladies' room and I looked myself in the mirror and I totally make a face. You struck a face. I make a face. Let's can see, we it. see it. I don't know Let's if I can it. recreate it. Well, I'm just try. In the just go look so, in the mirror right there. So I tilted my head forward. Okay. And I raised my eyebrows. Why? And widened my eyes. Wow. I'm okay. Like you look devastatingly younger. attractive now. You do. You look younger. Dang. You even look taller. <laughs> you look like you have a neck injury. <laughs> no, I I wonder no. why you yeah. push your head up. I don't know. So I was trying to figure out. Like I, I have a very round face. I think I look like a, like a little glass doll, like one of the creepy ones. Oh, the creepy. You know? <laughs> Have like the baby see, it's funny faces. That I, and haven't, like the... I haven't thought of that when I see. No, you. I yeah, but so know. maybe I'm like trying to make my face look less. What's with the know. eyes wider and the eyebrows? Um, well, the the difference is Merritt has a soul, so there's life behind those eyes. That's the key <laughs> okay. difference. So if she so lost her soul, <laughs> then, then I you'd be would the be a glass doll. Then you would be, and not, and you're also not made of glass. So maybe that's why I'm emphasizing the eyes. So wanna... you make a face. I make a face. I was so mad at myself. Do you make a face, Guy? Yeah. Blue steel. Oh, that's right. Okay, um, delusion. But the whole idea is it's a delusion. It's not who you really are. No, and that's not how I look. That's not so, the so Sky's expression to, I make. No. Sky's trying to look like blue steel. Is it really delusional, though? Because I understand the whole argument of Photoshopping because that isn't real. But you are adjusting muscles in your face. To well, do, I mean, I it, really, to, it still is you. Well, but to catch to capture the image that's not your natural image. I mean, if yeah. I squint and I flare my nostrils, and that, and when by squinting, I look you better in the, the mirror. You can leave the bathroom and go down the street. But, your but see, your idea so of yourself and your idea of how you look yeah. is completely different from the, how you look normally. Yeah. So you're kind of altering this perception, and it's. I don't think the problem is that you make a face when you look in the mirror. Like, right. I make all sorts of faces oh, when I yeah. look in the mirror. I make like, faces all day. You know, I do the mascara one where you like look like a fish. You know, like you open your yeah. mouth and you do your mascara. But the problem comes, I think, in that we're so obsessed with how we look that we're trying, like we're desperately grasping at something. Yeah. Like I must look better than how yeah. I look. I think I think you're onto something. The mirror face is a really important thing. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just wake up every day and if you actually looked at yourself and you looked at yourself honestly uh-huh. and then accepted how you looked, yeah, I think you would be happier. I think – you know why? I know that's true because I, I hate having my picture taken. But if someone's going to take my picture, I like them to be standing on about a six-foot ladder shooting down at me with me having to look up. It, it eliminates three chins instantly. <laughs> And so every time I go get my pictures taken, I take a ladder because sometimes people don't think ahead like that. Here, here, this is for you. Now take yeah. the picture. Take the picture. And, but make sure you get as, as high above me as you can because then it's, that's probably why you stick your head out. Just use aerial photography. That dot? <laughs> Just use a mad. satellite. That little dot and those three Hire a helicopter next time. I think, this is, I think this is really telling. I really do. Yeah. I think we're going to find out, and our expert is going to be able to, Dr. Carolyn Ross is going to be joining us, and she's going to take on this concept of fat phobia. Yeah, which is a real issue. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, some research that she had done in her article, these are um, stats pulled from her article, um, more than half of doctors describe their overweight patients as ugly, awkward, and non-compliant with treatment. Hold Thanks, it. Doc. Ugly, which has nothing to do with weight. No. Awkward. Also. And non-compliant. With treatment. Lazy. Here, here's one thing. Most overweight patients who go to doctors are really frustrated because all of their health problems, really no matter what they are, Coming will about. be blamed on their weight. Well, that's the easy money right there. It is. Just mention the weight. Here's another one. Um, nearly one quarter of nurses had admit, admitted to feeling repulsed by their obese patients. 
Oh, wow. CG, how do you, you know, yeah, like, so you're being that treated really contributes and... to how well people are cared for. Um, defendants in lawsuits who are overweight are more likely to get slapped with a guilty verdict. No, I don't believe that. That one. Really? Yeah. Well, because if you if you make all those assumptions, I mean, here's some common oh, so like, common words. Look at him; so, he's got to be yeah, guilty. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be lazy. He's got to um, be weak and indulgent. He's got to yeah. um, be insecure, have low self esteem. All these things that could contribute to them being guilty. We make assumptions. That's huge. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to go to court of all times to lose weight, do it before <laughs> you get sentenced. Yeah. Man. And here's here's one that is a little tragic to me. It says children as young as four are reluctant to make friends with an overweight child. Ah, uh, that's sad. Yeah, it is sad. How do you feel now, Skyboy? Or Blue Steel? <laughs> um, are you learning? Yeah, I feel the same. Okay. What, I don't so, I don't know what position I took before. Is uh, it because I was making fun of you? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if you want to call that, I would just call it that you're just you're just you're a fat phobe. I don't think I'm a fat phobe. Okay, I'm a ginger, so I'm kind of in the same class, <laughs> discriminated against. So I feel so well. Tell me, I feel empathy with oh, them. You do. See, you're not a fat phobe. It's this is sad because this is something that we don't. You don't have civil rights leaders out there holding no. a march for people overweight no it's kind of an accepted bigotry you can be rude to a person who's overweight you can be cruel to them and call them names and people don't really care that you're doing so oh yeah yeah uh wow okay because chris christie new jersey governor Mm -hmm. chris christie tons of comments about the guy's weight yeah tons of comments and tons of assumptions about him where you'd never dare put that out on any other politician well they'll say oh well he, naturally, he can't run for president. He's too fat. Yeah. Who I've, would heard, I've heard that That's on crazy. big cable networks. Yeah. See, there's there it is right there. Yeah. They can. They say it. They can say it. The jokes can be there. Yeah. But, I mean. You'd never dare say it about someone's race. No, you wouldn't. You don't dare say it about a religion, even though people do. <laughs> but their weight, ah, free game. It is free game. And the sad thing is it keeps it keeps people who have extra weight from doing things that would make them happy and would make them feel better and would probably make them lose weight yeah. and become healthier. Well, yeah. You know, if you're afraid of having comments made about you when you go to the gym, why would you go to the gym? It would just make you unhappy if you're, oh. you know, things like that. So yeah. here and here's a, a short example that I just loved as I was doing reading was a mom said that she had it was on her she had her second kid. And she had a lot of baby weight left. And mm. she just was, you know, couldn't really yeah, kick it. Common. It was hard. And she had a little kid that hey, she was trying to take care of. I put of. 10 pounds on every child. True, true, true story. 10 pounds a kid. It's hard to lose baby weight. Matt, don't have <laughs> any more kids, okay? I'm done. Okay. <laughs> and, I've, and I've had to lose weight. But it's I still am losing weight. That's why I know having kids, it's hard to lose the baby weight. Well, you're too busy with them. Well, and a lot of people would think that it shouldn't affect the husband. Baby should come with a treadmill. But I'm the father, <laughs> and fa- it affects the father. You gain weight because you don't want your wife to be gaining weight without you. Something like that. Go ahead. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so this mom, she She had, gained weight. She gained weight. And she um, was at a party, and they had a photo booth set up. It was like some like opening school thing, and she had her little, 
you know, her newborn strapped to her yeah. and her little kid who was about six was saying, Mom, come in the photo booth with me. Come in the photo booth with yeah. me. And she all of a sudden had this immense fear. She's oh, like, no. I can't go in there. You know, I can't go yeah. get my picture taken. I don't want to yeah. see what I look like. And she, so had, she, she kind of had this moment where she realized that there was no reason for her to be ashamed to go into the photo booth with her kid. And oh, that, boy. that she said she, some things that she said that, that we moms think kids are cuter than they are. So why would they be in their pictures? Um, but at the same time, she realized whenever she sees a picture of her mom in pictures when she was a kid, she doesn't notice the fact that yeah. her mom doesn't look perfect. Yeah. She notices the fact that her mom was her there mom for was her. So moms might be hiding, not being in the pictures with their kids. So they're not going to have the memories. They're, they're not, not... going to have the memories. They're not going to have that oh, connection. The tangled web we yeah. leave. Sad. I think it's sad. And it's also, you see pictures all the time. In fact, my family, that we're all overweight. And um, my sisters and my mom. And you have a family picture and you can only put so many kids in front of you. Then you run out of kids. And <laughs> Unless so, you have more kids. But everyone's like, uh, you come stand in front of me. Everyone wants somebody to stand in front of them. Sad. Okay, this sad. isn't, we got to fix this. You got that sky boy? We're fixing you. And you're, because um, the ginger's not a problem. We all accept it. Now we've got to have you, you accept fix it. my fat phobia? Yes. Okay. Fixing the fat phobia. Right here on the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from uh, our own Bryce Tobin, a little bit of a rant about fat shame. We're also going to, uh, we'd love to hear from you. I want to hear from you. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. Is it okay, for example, for your schools to send letters home telling you as a parent that your kid's gaining too much weight? Should we, another question you can answer, should we be using the word fat anymore? Uh, or what should we maybe say instead? This is the Matt Townsend Show. Give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We'll be back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about fat phobia. You know what? It is apparently the ability that we have as a culture, as a society, to now discriminate against fat people. Um, and I, I don't know if that's the exact definition, but we're going to have an expert coming on later in the show. Dr. Carolyn Ross will be joining us. But uh, apparently we uh, have, you know... We know that we we know that there's an epidemic where we're gaining more weight for a variety of reasons as a population, but we also um, don't seem to question what we should say or what we do say. In fact, a lot of us are are very quick to judge and uh, to have issues with uh, in immediate judgments of people that have gained some weight. So, what we're going to try to do today is. Uh, we're taking your calls today. One eight five five chat BYU. One eight five five chat BYU. Would love to get your insight on this. You know, should we not be using the word fat anymore? Because um, it is kind of becoming like a swear word. Also, how would you feel if your school was sending home letters saying, "Hey, your kid, your child is fat, and you need to, you know, take better care of their health." Would that be acceptable? We're going to go to one of our callers right now. We have Sarah on the line, and Sarah has a, a comment for us about this. Sarah, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks. How are you? 
I'm good. What do you, um, what do you think about just, this? I was just thinking that I think part of the reason as a society we think it's okay to make a comment about someone's weight or yeah. to call them fat or make these jokes is because we blame them for it. Yeah, I exactly. think a lot of times we go, you chose to eat the food, you chose not to go out and exercise, so you're at fault. It's okay if we make fun of you. It's okay if we blame you versus like your race or other things like that where we go, you know, yeah. you didn't choose to be right. that. But the funny thing so about it that, is it's sometimes we have no idea why someone's overweight. Exactly. And, right? And there's so many medical reasons. There's so many psychological reasons. There's emotional. There's... I mean, there's a million different reasons, and yet we chalk it up to just the person lacks control. Exactly right. And I think that's the reason that teachers go, you're feeding your kid junk food. That's why they're fat. Do something about it. You're a terrible parent. Is the assumption that's automatically made, and yeah. I don't think that for those reasons that that's right or fair or anything. That's right. Who knows what's going on? Do you think uh, we should become more sensitive to the word fat? Like using it like, man, I'm getting fat. I mean, is that like... Is that? I guess we well, can use it on ourselves, but we shouldn't call other people fat. Well, but then as soon as you do, what if you're standing in, in a room with your children? What are you telling your children That's about exactly. their, their, their perception of themselves and their perception of That's you? Right. We, sense it, we, we, become, we start sharing it, right? We start spreading this phobia. I can't tell you how many other moms who would get on the scale all the time notice that their younger children, their small girls started becoming weight conscious too because they saw the mom worrying about their weight and worrying about and then what are we what are we teaching our children that that's that important that it needs to take up that much of our time man sarah look at you it's almost like you've kind of lived this (laughs) i (laughs) do you know what i mean no comment (laughs) but you know what's interesting i i think you're totally right and tell me how many little girls i or even guys i've seen i've heard my son before say oh i'm getting fat but he exactly right. He didn't know what he was talking about. But he was. But he had heard it, so he'd heard it from somewhere, right? Exactly right. Man, and, and do you want? Do you want? You don't see your kid, or at least I don't see my kids as fat or overweight no. or any of those things. Why should we see ourselves that way? It's uh, it really is, and it's such. It seems like the weight battle is more personal of a battle than almost any other battle we have because we carry it publicly, but we really are fighting it privately. Exactly right. Exactly right. Ugh. I mean, really. I mean, what what other part of your life can create this much pain for you? You know, even, well, even your think... debt or whatever. If you've got a lot of debt and you're way behind in your bills, I mean, it still can be fairly private. You don't wear it to the grocery store. Exactly right. Exactly right. And I think the the focus of the media at the moment isn't helping anything at all either. Yeah, I think you're that right. That you need to be a certain way and you need to be a certain... You need to be a certain weight and wear the right clothes. And if you don't look the right way in the right clothes, then there's something wrong with you. Or, I and I don't right. think that's right. I think you're right on, Sarah. In fact, I have a feeling you're going to love our guest. After this break, we're going to come back. Sarah, appreciate the call. And uh, Sarah's going to uh, – Sarah's a lot of her points are going to be made by our next guest. Dr. Carolyn Ross is going to be joining us. She's going to be teaching us about this fat phobia. What is it about? How is it spreading? How does it start? And uh, give us some tools to deal with that. Later in the show, we're going to get back to our own Bryce Tobin to deal with the fat shame. And uh, hopefully you're going to learn together about how to maybe approach our weight and the weight of the people around us with a lot more sensitivity. And, and, And understand, you know what? None of us have a clue what's really going on with the people around us. 
So let's cut him a break and uh, let's figure out how to manage the uh, this new epidemic called fat phobia. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back with Dr. Uh, Carolyn's going to be joining us. And after that, we're going to be getting into uh, a bunch of other tools and solutions for you. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM BYU Radio. back everybody to the matt townsend show we're taking on fat phobia today just the concept around our weight it's eating us alive there are so many people that every morning they start happy until they look in the mirror and then there's others like blue steel here skyboy whose life is made the minute he looks at his good-looking mug it's the best part of my day is it really <laughs> no it's so sad <laughs> so vain but you're so vain but you're really not but that's the fat phobia is a real deal and our last uh, caller there sarah you know i think she hit it right on the head it's how we address it it's how we talk about it we're okay judging somebody just because of their weight we don't even think about it and it's so fast because you know healthy people aren't heavy right I mean, these are people that obviously have no self-control, right? Well, maybe you don't quite know. So we'd love some calls from you. During the show, we're going to be bringing on Carolyn Ross right now. She's a medical doctor, and she's going to have some great information for you. If you'd like to ask her a question, you can uh, give us a call at 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. And uh, Dr. Ross, I'm sure, would be willing to uh, answer your questions or if you just have insight into this, if you've lived this yourself, if, if you want to kind of clue us in on the battle that really goes on with, uh, you know, our psyche and our head when it comes to, uh, to weight and trying to, you know, be a heavier uh, person in this world where, you know, we're, we don't feel quite good about ourselves. The clothes don't, that they sell don't seem to fit the way the pictures always make them look. Give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. Now, our guest today is Dr. Carolyn Ross. She is a nationally known author, speaker, expert, and pioneer in the use of integrative medicine for the treatment of eating disorders, obesity, and addictions. She uh, has a, a, a treatment center down in what state? Denver in, in Colorado is where she has it. I know this guy was like, Denver's not a state. In, De- in the city of Denver, she um, consults and does a lot of work on eating disorders, obesity, and addiction. She's the author of three books, including the Binge Eating and Compulsive Overeating Workbook. Most recently, she's released a two-CD audio program that is a collaborative effort with Dr. Andrew Weil uh, entitled The Joy of Eating Well. As she has a private practice in Denver. She also is a blogger on psychology today, and you can find her website, carolynrossmd.com. Dr. Ross, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Really, uh, such a an, such an important topic, and, uh, and I don't know if you got to listen to our caller earlier, but really uh, felt strongly about the fact that we just are so okay judging people um, without the full story when it comes to someone's weight, aren't we? Well, that's exactly right. I think obesity is kind of the last frontier of tolerable discrimination. You know, we've really uh, legislated 
other forms of discrimination away to some degree. But for somebody who's obese, who's being discriminated against or bullied or, you know, teased or any of those things, they really have no recourse um, about it. And so that makes it very difficult for them to feel as if, you know, they can get help for the issue because so many people just automatically judge them. Well, and yeah, like you, uh, you call it a phobia. I mean, this is a new, this is a new phobia. It it really is, and I'll tell you why it's starting to look like a phobia, and instead of just uh, discrimination against those who are overweight or obese. I'll give you one great example. There was a lovely research study done with three to five year old kids, and they found that in this age group, even this young that children who were offered um, a toy that depicted a person who was in a bigger body would not play with that toy Mm. because it was not a thin toy. And children as young as four have been seen in schools to have trouble making or or being reluctant to make friends with an overweight child. Wow. I mean, it's funny. I know. So that's amazing. Well, we all start as chubby, chunky little kids. Right? A little baby. We're supposed to have fat on our body. We're supposed to be the Gerber, fat. The Gerber baby yeah. is, a, is a chubby baby. You'd think that we would actually kind of grow up being fairly tolerant of it. But somewhere, I guess, as parents, is that how we're instilling this idea of, yeah, don't play with the fat kid? Yeah, it's almost as if, you know, if you play with the fat kid, it's going to be contagious. Mm -hmm. If you accept the fat kid, then somehow that's going to uh, be something that affects you. And, of course, we know that that's not true whatsoever. Um, But but it certainly starts at home. It starts in the media. Um, It's it's a, a, a cultural problem. And you would think that given that 61% of Americans are either overweight or obese, that there would be some compassion about this issue. Right. But it's really just the opposite. As a matter of fact, I think, you know, given that I work a lot um, on Skype and in, in groups in Denver with people with obesity, they themselves um, do a lot of judging against themselves in particular. And so it, it, they don't escape that either that internal dialogue that you know constantly berates you if you're not in a thinner body is wow. pretty prevalent in our, our society so even we're it's not even just that the world's against us if we're overweight we're overweight we're against ourselves we we have yes. our own kind of issues and our own um assumptions of what's healthy what's the what looks good what doesn't exactly and i think the discrimination, I think, is something that people don't realize affects the overweight or obese people on a day-to-day basis. Just looking at the criminal justice system, defendants in lawsuits who are overweight are more likely to be found guilty. Yeah, that is crazy. Yes. Just because I guess we then are assuming it's a character flaw. It's, that's exactly They lack right. character. It's, if you're overweight, you're thought to be lazy, uh, not very smart, not motivated, a whole host of negative characteristics, dishonest even, and undisciplined. Whereas if you're thin, you're automatically assumed to be, 
you know, very well disciplined and hardworking and have lots of willpower. And that's not usually the case. I mean, I'm not saying that thin people are the opposite, but, you know, thinness is just as being overweight is primarily a genetic uh, trait. It's 57 to 70 percent genetically determined your weight is. Is it really? 57 to 70 percent genetically determined. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't you know, be the healthiest you can be. But if you have that gene, you you are going to be having a harder time than other people who don't have the fat gene, so to speak, uh, in keeping your weight off. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I mean, plus, I guess, if you, if 50 to 70% of it's genetics, and then some of it has got to be in, impacting your psyche. So now all of a sudden, as a child, you don't even have kids that will play with you, or you're called fat so, or all these mean names. Then all of a sudden, your psychic side gets involved, and psychologically, you start compensating. I mean, it just seems like it's you're doomed. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah I, I have patients who are in their 60s who uh, remember being bullied at school because of their weight, and they're still struggling with their weight in their 60s. So for 50-plus years, you know, they've been dealing with that combination of, you know, the psychological effects of people bullying you and teasing you and being picked to last for sports and and all of that kind of thing, as well as the discrimination that they experience on a day-to-day basis, Uh. Um, even within their own families. You know, sometimes I I have, uh, I remember one of my cases in which uh, there were two daughters in the family, and the mother was very petite and small and thin, and one of the daughters took after her, and the other daughter took after dad, who was (laughs) over six feet, and he was very big-boned. And, you know, that caused a lot of problems within the family. And so just like 70% of other obese people report being ridiculed about their weight by a family member, in this particular family, you know, uh, the, the, one of the parents was calling the uh, kid names, the one who was the bigger kid, and continuing, like, you can't play unless you get on the treadmill. You can't wow. eat the same things we eat. And I, that's a story that I've heard many, many times, um, and it's a, it it shows basically a lack of understanding. Yeah, that does. A child can't pick their genetics. Right, right. Well, and, and so if you and, if you uh, take after dad, yeah. that's not your fault. No. Well, and that's it's almost like we just have we have to start to understand that human beings are complex beings. They're not only eating. They're not only overweight because they're lazy. They're not only overweight because, I mean, there's so many other things, genetics, psychology, patterns, habits, expectations, assumptions, coping mechanisms. There's so many other things at play. And then all of a sudden to know that your mom just really doesn't like you, not not like you, but doesn't accept you for who you are. She would love you if you could just get down to a two. Exactly. And I, I want to mention a couple of other things because this shows the complexity that you're talking about. And one is there is a, a study that has come out and been uh, replicated over the last year that showed that the type of uh, gut bacteria you have can make you fat. Really? And so, 
there's also a, uh, some studies that show that environmental toxins can promote obesity. So if you have that obesity gene yeah. and you're exposed to the, I think they're called PCBs in plastic, then that may promote obesity. And as well, certain viruses have been shown to promote obesity. So the bottom line is it would be different if we had an absolute cure for this problem, you right. know, like we in, in some diseases, if you do this, then you'll be fine. Yeah. We don't have that for this problem. Uh, it just doesn't exist. And the, the simplicity that people try to promote of, well, just push away from the table and, <laughs> you know, go out and exercise. I have so many patients who really are doing that. Yeah. And most of my obese patients are eating less than they need to, not more than they need to. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, it is very complicated. Well, and you see shows like The Biggest Loser and shows like that that take off. I mean, people, this is a very important topic to people. So they're getting ratings because people are interested in it. Interestingly, I had a boy on my son's football team who was a little lineman. They were young guys. And this kid was just really overweight. And um, the mom is just, we're sitting there talking. And I'm like, that's so great because he's, you know, football, what a great sport for this kid to play. And she said, uh, she blew my mind. And it, it all of a sudden it created compassion for me on this issue in a way I had never felt it. She said, yeah, well, you know, we're just hoping that he's around when he's older. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, why? He probably because he's overweight and he's gaining too much weight. Well, she says, no, he has a liver disorder. Oh, my goodness. And he's gaining the weight because of the liver disorder. And... um it's so right now this is great because it gives them exercise and yet the reality is this weight has nothing to do with a choice and yet yeah, none of the so, kids on the team knew that all the kids none of them knew he was sick and her she didn't want him knowing he was sick but he was sick and instead we just think he's just fat well there was another situation similar to that that were a little African-American girl had been being bullied at school about her weight, and she had a medical problem, a metabolic problem that caused weight gain. And she ended up writing a book about her experiences of being bullied, and and I, I heard her speak on, with her mother on uh, uh, one of the PBS stations. Um, and the name of her book, I think, is Don't, uh, not, not Fat Because I Want to Be. Mm, yeah. And she actually turned that into, you know, kind of a almost a little mini career for herself, but wrote another book, um, you know, giving tips on how to deal with bullying and so on. But I think it highlights that important um, point that you're making, which is that not everybody is fat because they want to be. Right. And not everybody can change what is making them fat. Yeah. And not everybody is skinny because they deserve to be. I mean, there's some people that are just inherently skinny, aren't they? And it's like, oh, I couldn't, I could eat all day and I couldn't gain a pound. And you sometimes want to just kick them, kick them yeah. in the kisser. <laughs> well, uh, well, we're going to, oh, go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to yeah. say studies show that even being thin, if you're not active and if you don't eat well, you can have worse, higher health risk than someone who's overweight or obese mm-hmm. who is more active. I mean, there's really, this is about healthy and getting healthy. We're talking with Dr. Carolyn Ross, nationally known author, speaker, expert, uh, author of the book, The Binge Eating and Compulsive Overeating Workbook. We're going to take a break. We'll come right back. 
with Dr. Carolyn Ross and uh, give a few more ideas, tools about this obesity epidemic. If you have any questions for Dr. Ross, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. I'm sure she'd love to answer those for you as well. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Hoedown Music. Today on the show, we are talking about uh, the fat epidemic, fat phobia, and, uh, you know, how we just kind of all casually discriminate against people that that uh, are a little heavier, that are overweight. We're talking with an expert. Dr. Carolyn Ross is joining us, nationally known expert, author, speaker, pioneer in the use of integrative medicine for the treatment of eating disorders, obesity, and addiction. She offices out of Denver, Colorado, and specializes in those areas. She's also the author of the Binge Eating and Compulsive Overeating Workbook. By the way, go to her website, awesome site where you can pick up some great information, carolynrossmd.com, and uh, you can learn more about what she does and some of her approaches to weight loss and the addiction uh, treatment. So, Carolyn, welcome back. And again, thank you so much for teaching us about this subject. My pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for having me. You bet. Did you like our hoedown music? Yes, I did. That's I'm new. from Texas originally. Well, yeah, so, so you know what that's all about. And you're still in Denver. Do. They still do a hoedown in Denver. Yeah, that's true. It's a little different. Though. It's a different hoe down there. So, Dr. Ross, teach us here. So, I mean, the reality is we tend to discriminate against people that are overweight, and yet, and the obesity epidemic is still real. I mean, we don't want to pretend like it's not a real thing. And um, so, how do we deal with this epidemic and not, I guess, put pressure on people? Well, I think that's an excellent question because many people feel like we should, you know, blame and shame people into losing weight, that if we uh, discriminate against them or, you know, bully enough that they will lose the weight. And right. actually, it's just the opposite. As a matter of fact, repeated studies have shown that that kind of behavior does not motivate people to lose weight, but it does do something. It increases their a risk for obesity by two and a half times. So mm. if they're overweight, they're likely to gain more weight through being on and off diets, on and off yo-yo dieting. And it also uh, makes them more vulnerable to things like depression and anxiety um, and eating disorders. Mm. Uh, a very, very uh, large study showed that uh, weight bullying or discrimination in adolescents Made, made it more likely for them to develop eating disorders over time. Wow. So it's doing just the opposite of what we are thinking that it will do. Well, maybe that means that weight's not the best measure of health. I mean, maybe well, we're so off that we're shining a light on something that's not the real issue. That is a wonderful way of putting it. I love the way you said that because it is like smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people feel like, well, if you would just lose weight, you would be healthier. And to some degree, that's true. But even for someone who is overweight or um, in the lower ends of obesity, uh, just losing 5 to 10% of their weight, which I would say 100% of my patients have done. So if you're 200 pounds, you lose 20 pounds, 
you have already improved your health. Yeah. Well, and, and, and if you, you've if done you what you can do, right? Exercise, I mean, sometimes that's all you can do. Yeah, and if you do that and maintain that 20-pound weight loss, you are much better off than going up, losing 50 and gaining 60, right. losing 40, you know, and yeah. doing that yo-yo dieting. Yeah, I mean, because it seems like we get we get so obsessed with the weight that then um, – you, you, the the reason the yo-yo diet's happening is because we're we're focusing on one factor of health, but there's more yeah. factors that we should be looking at, right? Yeah, and I think the health at every size movement is a perfect example of um, of what you're talking about, and their focus really is on being healthy no matter what your size is, hmm. and you can do that by eating healthily, by being active. You don't have to be thin. That's a real, you know, that's a mis, that's a yeah. misjudgment that we've had in the past, and it's not true. As I said earlier, you can be very thin and still be unhealthy if you're sedentary and eating junk food every day. Well, and the idea that you can lose, you know, 40 pounds over years, and a couple of years, and be healthy doing that, but then still feel like you're not good enough because mm-hmm. you're not a twig. I mean, yes, that's so exactly. sad. That's so sad that the concept is that certain body or, you know, basically what we see on every commercial or infomercial for what supposed healthy and fit looks like. Well, and you know, I'm sure that what we see on the commercials and what we see in the magazines is not real. Right. Um, that You know, Seventeen Magazine was sued by a teenager who won the suit saying that all of the photoshopped images presented the wrong picture to teenagers who are whose bodies are changing rapidly. I, I can give you a great example of one of my children who, when he was in middle school, was, I would say, a little bit pudgy, and we we had to shop in the husky section of of the uh, you know of the store yeah. for his clothes. And one of my colleagues said to me, "Well, why aren't you doing something? Your son is overweight." And I I was enraged, I as bet. you can imagine. Yeah. And I, you know, and now my son, who was always very, very active and was always very, very healthy, um, he he's six foot tall and solid as a rock, yeah. muscular, athletic, and that was he was going through that change yeah. in his body. Oh yeah, but I mean, isn't it fun? It's just this immediate. Why don't you do something? Like like they're broken. I wanted to do something, yeah, to him. but I won't be able to say that on your show. See, then you'd be in prison. Oh, Carolyn, it would have gone so bad. But it's, it really yeah. is. It's like we, uh, and it seems like in a weird way, the medical profession, that you know, they're, they're there to protect us, but it seems like they're, they're also complicit. It seems yeah, like I, I think a, in part of this. It's very unfortunate, but about half of physicians, uh, a fourth of nurses, and about a third of our teachers are also um, feel that they are uh, have been shown to have judgments about people because of their weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's it's amazing what people are willing to do and give up just to be thin. I mean, I think they did a poll of of um, women who said they'd give up two years of their life just to be thin. Oh man, I mean, Can you think imagine? of that. Yeah. I mean, two, it's, I think it was two in five women said they would trade three to five years of their life to achieve their ideal weight. I uh, can't it's believe just, that. It's 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 uh, it's a little bit backwards, isn't it? 
Yeah, and and I think that's where we have to really look as parents, as well as you know, healthcare providers, teachers, anyone who touches the lives of children, to start teaching acceptance of who they are, start teaching about their genetic, what I call the genetic blueprint, which is, you know, you're not going to look like Angelina Jolie unless you're in her gene pool. Right. And so you want to be looking in your gene pool to see who you're going to resemble, whether it's mom or dad or grandparents or aunts or uncle, and be the best you can be given your genetic blueprint. Yeah, be, yeah, ride that those genes to the, the the best level. Those genes can be ridden. Um, that's what my father in law, who's a doctor, would always say: is that some people just have bad. What was the word? Just bad protoplasm. And yeah, um, right. and and, if, and like these are the patients that are really sick, and just nothing mm-hmm. seems to work anymore. In the end, I guess when we look at it. Uh, this is something that we as we just need to broaden our own sense of what healthy looks like, maybe even reframe the the definition of what healthy looks like. So we're going to take a break. Um, we're talking with Dr. Carolyn Ross. When we come back, she's going to give us more ideas, um, more tools, uh, I guess, per se, to, to help us to maybe restructure our conversations with people. Also give us some tools as a parent to create a little bit more acceptance with our kids. We've been talking about the genetics, being the best we can be with our genes. If you have a question for Dr. Carolyn Ross about your children, uh, your life, your weight, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. would love to hear your questions for Dr. Ross. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side, your life coach is what uh, we're playing today, trying to give you the tools you need to get a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. You know, you didn't come with a manual, so instead we're going to do a manual for you one day at a time. Joined here by my great compadre, Skyboy, also the fat phobe, we call him, because he, we've decided, is uh, he always makes jokes about my weight. It just scares me. My weight scares you? Yes. Tell me more. I'm just afraid you'll be able to, you know, kind of beat me take up. Take you down. Take me down. Well, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you little flyweight. Hey, I just gave a little weight joke about you. Yeah, whatever. No, and this guy doesn't mean harm. He just doesn't know, which is the problem, which is what we're dealing with. Some of us just... We don't know that we're automatically judging someone when they walk down the street and they're overweight or that we just, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of pain. And we've been talking with a wonderful expert. Dr. Carolyn Ross is joining us. She's a nationally known author, speaker, expert and pioneer in the use of integrative medicine for the treatment of eating disorders, obesity and addictions. She uh, is the author of three books, including the Binge Eating and Compulsive Overeating Workbook, 
Most recently, she was uh, just released a two-CD audio program that is collaborative effort with Dr. Andrew Wheel, I believe his name is, <laughs> entitled The Joy of Eating Well. Uh, Dr. Ross has a private practice in Denver specializing in treating eating disorders, addictions, and obesity, and is a, is a writer on the blog Psychology Today. You can find everything you want about Carolyn Ross on her website, carolynrossmd.com. Dr. Ross, welcome back to The Matt Townsend Show. Thanks, Matt. Is it Dr. Wheel? How do you say Weil. it? Weil. Yeah, he's Andrew. the he's Andrew Weil. He's on PBS and you know, isn't he? Everywhere. Yeah, he's everywhere. <laughs> you got to write, you got to do a CD program with him. Well, I did a 2-year fellowship with him in Tucson. How wonderful. Yeah, That's, it was it was wonderful, I oh, have to say. Okay, answer me this with all your experience. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that somebody and I'm not I'm thinking it's somebody that wasn't filled with good spirit in, invented a thing called the BMI index the body mass yeah. index and that seems to be messing up more people than ever you agree well that's a good point you bring up all of the measures for weight have been really had a lot of controversy but the bmi in particular what people need to know is that if you have a muscular body or if you're very short or other types of bodies, you can't rely on the BMI. You know, people like uh, Tom Cruise and Arnold Schwarzenegger are considered overweight according wow. to their BMIs. I know. That's shocking. messed up. No, um, that's the, crazy. The biggest, the biggest issue is that the BMI has no relevancy in terms of predicting your health risk. So if you have a high BMI... It doesn't, therefore, naturally mean that you're at high risk for heart disease or diabetes. Oh, man. But that makes me so mad because that's where the doctor pulls it out. And only a doctor could do the BMI anyway and figure out the numbers. You know, they have a lot of those charts Charts. online that you can do now uh, that are easier. But I think it's important for people to recognize that um, if you really want to look for health risk, you look in your family history. Like, did your dad have a heart attack young and so on? And you also can look at the waist-to-hip ratio, which is easy to do. You just, you know, get a tape measure and measure your hip hip uh, width and your waist and then divide one into the other. And that gives you a, a more huh. effective um, idea of whether or not you're at risk for heart disease, stroke, diabetes, oh, that's and great. so on. Let's, uh, yeah. We have a caller Dr. Ross, that wanted to talk to you. Oh, we lost the caller. She, you must have answered oh. her question. We were talking. She was from South Carolina. Basically, her question was simply that her husband, the husband thinks he's healthy, but BMI says he's fat. Yeah. And so um, actually, she may be calling back right now. They're checking on the line. But so maybe go into that. That's just the mere fact that if if he's a fit guy, kind of a muscly build guy, he may be... Um, he, he may just be somebody that's not a great candidate for BMI. That's exactly right. And so you have to be very cautious about using BMI to predict whether you're healthy or not. Okay. And therefore, you know, and, the, and even the waist-hip ratio, you can go online and it'll tell you how uh, to calculate that. And that's a better measure yeah. for, uh, and they have specific uh, numbers for men versus women. Um, so that would be a bet, better okay. measure whether he's healthy or we not. Got, we got Lucille back on. So Lucille from South Carolina, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, 
Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? So I'm good. What's your question about your husband's BMI? Well, my question is this, is that his BMI register is really high, but he's, he's a very fit man. He works out every day. He goes in the elliptical. But according to his BMI, he, he's really overweight. He does carry his weight in his midsection, but we're close to 60. And so we're thinking that maybe his BMI would be higher than a man that's maybe 45 or something. Go ahead, Dr. Ross. That's one of the limitations of the BMI. It doesn't take into account age, and it doesn't take into account build. So as I, I don't know if you heard earlier, but if you think of people like Tom Cruise or Arnold Schwarzenegger, who theoretically are very healthy, and, and yet the BMI classifies them as overweight. So I would not use the BMI as a measure of whether your husband is healthy or not. You could look at something like the waist-hip ratio, but just hearing that he's on the elliptical and he's active and fit, uh, that's really what you need to know. But you also would say, Dr. Ross, that maybe Lucille Otta, the better gauge would be just his family genetics. That's one of the big gauges and also his current lifestyle. So if he's got an active lifestyle, if he is eating healthily, um, if his family uh, history shows any health risks, then you can address those more specifically. You know, like in my family, my dad died of a heart attack when he was only in his 50s. So that puts all of my family, particularly the men, at higher risk for heart attacks. Um, but, you know, certainly being fit is a huge protection uh, against any of the health risks that we would face at the age of 60s. Good stuff. Uh, Lucille, any other, did that get it for yeah, you? That, that really, yeah, it really does. We've changed his eating habits lately. I mean, he likes sugar a little too much, but he's got a very, very healthy, um, you know, his line, his bloodline's very healthy, no heart problems. That's great. None of that. So he works out every day. Well, he sounds lucky he to have you. Time. He sounds lucky to have you worrying about it. Well, you know I'm going not yeah, to worry about I, it. I might be that there if I out. Yeah, I agree. I think I'll do that. Thank you so much. You bet. Hey, Appreciate and by the way, it. Lucille, while you're at it, go give the boy a brownie. Go make him some brownies. <laughs> put some ice cream I, I on just, it. Hey, I just took a baby Ruth out of his hand, so <laughs> believe you? me, he gets his sugar when he oh, wants that's, it. He's sneaking it. He's sneaking it. Good work, Lucille. Keep up the great right. work in South Carolina, and thanks for listening. I mean, really, Dr. Ross, it's it's so interesting, isn't it? Because there's so many things that we think we're supposed to do. And then just almost the voice, the sound of relief in her voice when she's like, yeah, he's good. He's healthy. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know if you remember, but, you know, just a few short years ago, everyone was talking about that we all had to be on low-carb diets. Oh, yeah. And then years before that, it was, well, nobody should eat fat. And, you know, every so many years, some new thing comes out. Yeah. But, you know, the basics haven't changed. And that is, you know, you got to eat fruits and vegetables. You know, you have to be active. And no matter what your size is, you're better off focusing on your lifestyle and on what makes you healthy, like keeping your cholesterol low, uh, your blood sugar low. Uh, all of those things respond primarily to uh, being active and to what you eat and whether you have a sedentary lifestyle. Love it. I mean, I mean, really, it seems um, it seems easier than we make it. And part of it, I guess, I guess, is because you know people are making money on all these tricks. And so, That's a $60 billion industry in the United States, oh, weight loss, $60 billion. 
So we do have a market economy. And, you know, when when they came out and said don't eat fat, what showed up on the grocery sh- uh, shelves was all the no-fat, yeah. low-fat foods. And, and who knows what's was, in there? Well, we well, we do know what's in there. It's more sugar and more salt yeah. and more carbohydrates. So they just switch it off. And then when it's when everybody said don't eat carbs, then we got all the low carb foods which had more fat in them and yeah. <laughs> other bad stuff. So it's really best just to eat real food. Yeah. I mean like a brownie. Are you with me? Well, a, br- a brownie is a processed food. Well, so, yeah. But if you if you're you make get it technical. yourself, if you make it yourself, you're better off. And as long as you're not eating brownies every day, there is absolutely no. nothing wrong that with having a brownie. No, see, yeah. and, and but what I love about you is you're more, um, you're kind of more holistic in that. Check your genes. Check your check your lifestyle, family history. You know, get real about it. I mean, accept what parts of this you get. We I guess we could all find excuses why we're gaining weight. Because I get, we I guess we could all find excuses why I was weight, and yet be real with yourself is what you're saying. You can, her body well, I, type I'm is different. Do what, do what you can do. You know, from make things worse. Right. We we do know from you know decades of research that repeated dieting just makes people fatter. Yeah. So if you think that the latest fad diet is going to solve your problem, it won't. And I think the other thing that a lot of people don't think about is that many, many of the patients I see with eating disorders and obesity also have um, emotional reasons why they're eating. Maybe they've had abuse or trauma in their childhood. And again, if you're trying to address that issue with a diet, it's not going to work. So uh, many times having therapy as part of your lifestyle change program is necessary if you've had uh, a background in that area. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's one of the keys to this as we're kind of wrapping up is also to understand that there's a myriad of reasons why people do this. So we have to judge – I mean, if we want to help, we can't be their judge. We have to try to understand because if it's an emotional issue – that needs a whole other kind of approach than maybe if it's just uh, you know a physical issue. Um, it's so interesting to me. It seems like we're all one um, you know back injury away from obesity. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're all one you know, that's, thing away that's that messes up our nice little ecosystem to gaining yeah. too much weight. Right. I think that's absolutely true. And. You know, it's it's sad for me to think that in America we've gotten to the point where, where appearance is everything. Yeah. You know, we judge people solely by their appearance. And, you know, many... Oh, are you there? We lost you. The good Dr. Carolyn Ross must have been taken out. Uh, somehow we lost our line, but um, just it's just powerful insight when you think about how complicated we are as humans, um, the genetics, the history, the the psychology, the past abuse, the eating habits, the medical, you know, the kind of the self-medicating that we do with our food, to, to have this idea that um, we honestly know enough to judge somebody, it's just not where we want to be. We don't want to be judging somebody based on their weight, 
um, without getting into them, especially when you think about it as a mom or a dad. Uh, the minute we actually have kind of treated somebody in such a way that, you know, you're too fat. Why can't you be skinnier like your sister? You only one for you. We all know what your problem is. That's the last thing somebody's psyche needs is to know that they're obviously not good enough in their eyes of their parents or their grandparents. And I mean, I know none of this is intentional, but we think we're helping. Um, but how you go about fitness in your life is not how I go about it in my life. So, so appreciate Dr. Uh, Dr. Carolyn Ross for joining us. Really uh, insightful. So, sorry that we somehow lost the line there. Um, but go check out her website. Really, I think there's so much there. There's so much good on her website. CarolynRossMD.com. You can also read her blogs there. Get all the information. Also, go check out her book, The Binge Eating and Compulsive Overeating Workbook and her CDs. Um, you can get it all on her website, uh, CarolynRossMD.com. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I think we're going to eventually get to Bryce's rant. Uh, he's going to be uh, giving us some uh, insight into how best to uh, you know, maybe avoid the fat shame. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about um, the fat phobia uh, and kind of the, I don't know, our judgmental nature when it comes to people that are overweight. And our own Bryce Tobin has been doing his own little uh, thinking on this one. Bryce, is that true? I, you know, you go outside, you're going to see all kinds of people and uh, they won't all be the same. So, uh you do a little uh, ditty here on fat shaming. Fat shaming, yes. Fat shaming it is. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. There's this funny fad on the internet. It's called dog shaming. Here's how you do it. First, get a dog. After that, you don't have to do much. Dogs tend to do terrible, disgusting things all by themselves at some point. Once your dog develops some bad habit, then you get some poster board, write down their sin, take a picture with the dog wearing the sign, or in the very least sitting in front of it, then post it wherever it is that you normally post things. It's worth a laugh. Some of them are pretty funny, like I hit a live chicken under the bed, or when my owners leave, I headbutt the trash can until it falls over, or I steal dirty socks from the hamper, or there's really unfortunate ones like I open the door and let a rock in, or I eat dirty Q-tips. There's the work accident types that say something like, it's been zero days since I've been in the kitty litter, or zero days since the last toilet paper massacre, or my all-time favorite, I'll bark at anyone except white people, and my family is appalled. Yeah. It's all in good fun, though. It even works for other things like cats. The best one I could find was a cat with a sign over its head that reads, I watched a mouse eat my food, and I did nothing. Some people will do it to babies, too, but this works because the things that get shamed aren't very self-aware. They can't really feel shame dogs don't get embarrassed so people end up with a funny picture and some laughs and we all go on with our lives but as with any joke there's always someone who takes it too far in the same vein as dog shaming there's the occasional fat shaming first off it's awful don't do it 
Usually it's done with a candid photo, followed with some sort of caption put on a later detailing their sins, whether real or merely perceived. Second, we don't know the whole story. Their fatness might be a new thing, or they may be really unhappy about it, which that's no excuse for bad behavior, but throwing their picture up on the internet isn't going to help them with feeling bad. And always remember, fat people can be jerks, but jerks existed long before fat people did. You see, fat shaming isn't all that funny because fat people know that they're people, and they know when they're being made fun of. Unlike babies, cats, and dogs, they are self-aware. But let's illustrate the point. What are you insecure about? How would you like it if people took pictures of that? I don't think you'd like it. What if someone took a picture of my moles and said something like, this moly guy cut me off while driving. Why does he even leave his house with all those moles? Not only would that feel awful, but do you sense the underlying logic? The thought process is that if I point out this guy's rude behavior and connect it with something personal, he won't just feel bad about it, he'll feel super bad about it, and he'll thank me for turning him into a good person. The reality is very different. Taking pictures of my moles is a great way to get a knuckle sandwich. And the bottom line, shaming just doesn't encourage people to be better. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Fat shaming, that was good. Have you seen a whole lot of fat shaming? Yeah, and I've seen kind of all forms of shaming. Like, I've I've seen people say, hey, moly person. (laughs) Thanks. So I've seen that. And I've seen, hey, bald person. Oh, yeah, bald is another. Yeah, or hey, tight jeans. Guy. Hey, hey, mister, you are in good enough shape to fit into those skinny, skinny jeans. I'm going to make you feel bad for having skinny, thin legs. See, it seems like that's where uh, Facebook, not Facebook, that's where YouTube makes its money. <laughs> it's everything shaming. So why yeah. why do fat people get a pass? Yeah. You they, think... they shame every, everybody else. If, if I did a poor job at, let's say it was some company softball game or something. And I play softball the way I would inevitably play it. There's a good chance that over the course of that game, you'd have a YouTube-worthy clip. Yeah. And then if Wimp or Dig or Reddit picks that up, I'm shamed for my poor sporting. But there's nothing I can do about it. Well, yeah, but that seems, you know, that's a one in a million. Showing up to work if you're overweight, that's every day. Do you know what I mean? You just could not go play ball. Well, at what point is it shaming, though? Because I, well, I, I embarrass exactly myself feel, for right? my but if I embarrass softball you. skills in front of coworkers, isn't that the same number well, of people? Well, but it's not you. That your, your softball skills aren't your body. Well, my body's the one that made it would the be, poor softball skills. It would be more like if, yeah, if you're making fun of someone's body, that just seems more. It, it's one thing to shame someone for performance. Yeah. Anyone can have a bad performance. Yeah. In fact, I would say that's what made the internet so amazing is, hey, look, something awful happened. Yeah. Or someone did something awful. Like, that's interesting. That's Like, we always always critique the presidential nominee's uh, debate, you know, uh, performance. But, you know, a Chris Christie, we would actually – we'd actually talk about, man, he looks so much bigger than President Obama. That would be different. I think the difference comes – you can't get away from your body. I've tried, by the way. Yeah. You can't like – It's impossible. You can get – like, for example, I really do have poor sporting skills. I tell people all the time. I'm like, my reaction to a ball coming at me is stop, drop, and roll. That is, like, seriously <laughs> what I do. Go get a ball, And Bryce. so, you know, but I can joke about that, and I can opt out of playing Frisbee. I can yeah. opt out of playing softball. And it's something that I can get away on if I don't want to feel that, yeah. that ridicule or that embarrassment. But – if your body 
is a certain way, that's something you can't escape no matter what. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can try to improve your health through the ways we've talked about, but you'll always be how you look like. And even if you lose weight, like, funny-looking people will always be funny-looking people, whether or not they're skinny or they're overweight. <laughs> like, it's, you know, if you have a big nose, you're always going to yeah. have a big nose. Do you remember you the guy hips, in China who hips. got mad at his wife because she... Tell the story, Bryce. So, boy meets girl. <laughs> Boy's a good-looking guy. She's a good-looking girl. Girl's they get married. Looking. Boom. It's all going great. Love. They have kids. kids. Kids are ugly. Ugly. Ugly kids. <laughs> and so the dad, being the sleuth that he is, he <laughs> thinks, hmm. Where did that nose come from? Yeah. And he tracked it down. Because it's not mine. <laughs> and then he soon found out his wife actually had lots of plastic surgery done. Oh, this is so sad. Which, in his defense... She should have disclosed. Well, well, <laughs> she she did look much much better after the plastic surgery, but mm-hmm. you know you should marry people for more than their looks, right? And he had to have known something, didn't he? I mean, was it a total surprise that she had a complete facial reconstruction? That shouldn't have been a complete surprise. Uh, there had to have been. So I don't know. Maybe. He's, but then know. he sued her. They had a baby, right? They had a few kids, I and, think. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, and then he he got mad. He, he yeah, he sued her because she classy the, the classic bait and switch. <sighs> Sad. But see, we're shaming him. Yeah, but no, is, hold on, hold on, so hold on. There, what's the hold line? On. We're character? shaming we're him shaming for his is poor... okay and shaming is not. No, no, no. we're shaming character. him for poor performance. We're not shaming him for lack of character, having two arms. But what if? But it's his brain that gives him lack of character. Then, then he has lack of character because of his brain. His decision that he made to be rude that way is something he can change immediately. She could only change her face through plastic surgery. So the idea is, if if the change is one that's out of your control or takes a long, 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 long period of time, then that's not something that, that that's well, not an area that's okay to shame. Somebody. No, no. I think it's more that if you want to encourage someone to change, shaming them is not the way to get that. to. That's so right. like that guy did something, did something really dumb. But you can shame – it's okay to shame him because you can get him to not make that decision or you can get him to you know, correct himself like that. But if you actually want him to improve, if you want him to change as a person, but if we're shaming him on something that's like a long, slow process, all we're doing is shaming him and then shaming and then shaming and then yeah. shame. Where do you go once you shamed and it didn't work? Well, we're also just saying – I Shun. mean, you, you shame somebody because they've done something bad. Yeah. And you know what? Being overweight, it's inconvenient and it can have problems with your health, but it's not bad. It's not a, it it's doesn't not make a, you a bad good person. versus evil Being choice. Being really, really rude to your wife, that kind of does make yeah. you bad. Character, so. character issue. Yeah. I agree. See, Merritt, where have you been? Oh, I know. Looking in the mirror with the funny face. Oh, with my funny face. Let's see it one more time. I don't, again, I can't Tilt your head, read it. Cock it to the left a little bit. I, what did head, I do? No, it was forward. You, I, yeah. We all have our own little mirror faces, don't we? Think about yourself. When you go look in the mirror, what's the face you start to throw out there? Do you pucker? Do you suck your lips in? Do you throw your chin out? Do you count your moles? What do you do? We're talking uh, body image and fat phobia and uh, the epidemic that it's becoming. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Meg Conley is going to be in studio. 
Meg Conley, our great uh, expert and blogging extraordinaire, is going to talk body image with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, I don't know if you've noticed, but this is the Matt Townsend Show Grande. And today we're doing a show about fat phobia. So maybe grande is not the greatest word we're going to use. But grande means we're a half hour longer. And now we are in the final half hour. You make it sound like a burrito. It is. It is. It's a lot like a burrito. Just nice, warm yumminess inside. Lots of cheese. Lots of cheese (laughs) and a little bit of sour cream. This is the Matt Townsend Show, and what we like to do is give you the tools to make it uh, through life. You know, a lot of us didn't get a manual, and we're joined by our own Meg Conley. She's a blogger. you got to go to her blog, uh, meginprogress.com. Why are you in progress, Meg? We're all in progress, right? I swear you arrived. <laughs> Have you well, not arrived? Get to know me a little bit better. Okay, give you five you'll change, more you'll minutes. You'll change your mind. Like, yeah, Meg, you're you'll still like, in progress. You'll be like, progress is actually overshooting the matter. <laughs> you're not even in progress. <laughs> right. So, Stagnant. Meg, have you been able to listen? We've been talking about fat phobia and I the have. impact of It's been a great program, weight. right? Now, but you're, here you are, a, a woman. Yes. Mommy of two. Right. Wife. Right. It's hard growing up where weight is like such a big deal. Here's the thing. I might start crying because I feel very powerfully about this. Um, So I think that – so I heard you talking about how fat phobia is kind of this new thing, right? And it's actually – It's it's, it's now acceptable like to kind of be repulsed by people's bodies. Right, right. Well, I think that where a society stands in regards to its treatment of women – often dictates how it deals with all kinds of topics, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think that in our society, um, there is direct correlation between the number of 11-year-olds that are deciding not to eat and the epidemic of eating disorders and our high epidemic of obesity. Yeah, I, agree. I think that those two things oh, are yeah. directly related, right? Well, they have to, they'd have to be, right? I mean, because right. we have this huge epidemic, we have this huge focus on, and people... I guess maybe even parents pushing really hard on their kids. Right, right. Don't eat that, you'll get fat. Right. So I think that we need to do is where we start. Like, I'm already broken, right? Get in line. (laughs) Yeah, we all are. So let's start with the children, okay? Because we haven't hopefully broken our children yet. we haven't broken them yet. Right. So what we need to do is we need to teach them how to be comfortable in the, the men and women that they're the bodies that they will be taking on as they grow into womanhood. So I speak from a f- and write from a feel- female perspective yeah. always, right? Yeah. And so I actually wrote an article about this a couple months ago, and I wrote about the shock of puberty oh. because be- because as a girl, before you go through puberty, you're you're um. If you're not thin, you're at least flat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, you're not um, overly curved. There's yeah. not there's not much difference between you and your male counterparts. And you see you see all the media that tells you that when you're a woman you should look differently, but you haven't hit mm-hmm. womanhood yet. Right. So it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um and then puberty hits. Ugh. And it's incredibly traumatic for girls and you feel completely out of control. Now I've I don't know the male perspective. I've talked to men and things I've been get there. Hairier yeah, and bigger, it's scarier. But it's not, yeah, it does. But for girls, it's a complete transformation. Your body is no longer what it used to look like, and so 
even if you can get excited about those changes, they are still changes that are out of your control. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so and so I think that if we can alert our girls to the beauty of the womanhood that they are going to embody yeah. soon and the different forms that it can take. I mean, I I, I change in front of my little girls all the time. No, I think that's so And healthy. I do that on yeah. purpose. And it's actually, I mean, I am so modest that I don't think that, you know, my mom will take me dress shopping or well, 15 years ago, she'd take me dress shopping. Yeah. And I'd be like, please stay out. I, yeah. You know, this is mine. I don't yeah. want anyone this near me. This is my me. space. Yep. Right, a little crazy. So it's taken a lot for me to do that in front of my four-year-old daughter, which is so crazy. So the other day, I was changing, and she pointed to my stomach, and she was like, what are those? I said, well, they're stretch marks. Yeah. Let's talk about this. That's baby I was like, they're exciting. Those are your fault. <laughs> no, these are a blessing. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that mommy's body could stretch? Like, these stretch marks were built in so my skin could stretch this way so that you could be here. And I said, you know what? You'll probably get stretch marks when you turn 12 or 13, because that's when I got them. Mm. But when I got them, no one had told me that. I'm not faulting my mom for this. She didn't know how neurotic I was going to be. Yeah. But when when they appeared on my body without any notion that they were going to be there, it was so shocking and so disrupting. Yeah. And I just I want to make that transition easy for my girls because as a woman, the changes don't stop with puberty. No. It isn't just fat or thin, although we all go through that at some point. It's it's childbirth. It's age. We are constantly in transformation. And if you can make your little girls comfortable with that first huge transformation, yeah. then I think I that think they can right learn on. to be comfortable with all the other transformations well, or at least accepting. Well, and more, I guess most importantly, you're opening the dialogue, right? So right. now all of a sudden they know that. Mom's going to always be there and kind of walk me through right. life transformation. Right, right. I mean, that's huge. Right. Well, and I want to be their model instead of what they're seeing on TV as their yeah. model because oh, yeah. it's so unrealistic. And and the first time – I didn't realize that until I was in college and I was taking a – foreign film class because it was an easy A and I thought that it gave me a good excuse to watch films I wouldn't allow myself <laughs> yeah. to watch yeah. otherwise. And um, and I was shocked because European women looked like me. And none of the American women in media look anything like yeah. what I look like. They're, they're, I, they're perfect looking. Yeah. Well, well, they're brushed. What we've defined as perfection. <laughs> right. And as I, as I went through this class and and watch these movies, some of which had very, women in various stages of undress, yeah. I realized that there, not only are there all types of bodies, but that means that there's all types of beauty. Mm-hmm. And that until we're able to accept that as a society, we will be far behind our counterparts across the sea, which is oh, a yeah. shame because America's so much better than Europe. Come on, I mean, on, totally. Look at, the, yeah, look at us. Come on. <laughs> Come on. But it really, it's a, I love what you're talking about because... Um, Puberty is a stage, right? Right. But it's it's really a symbolic. Exactly. It's kind of it's the arrival of the new body. Right. Right. And the one you're going to be carrying with. Right. Actually, no, because the body's constantly changing. But but it's, but it it's starts, the first it's time the perf- that that happens. Yeah. Right. Right. And and I think that and I think again that it goes back to that as a girl. And again, I can't I can't speak for boys because I'm not one. But as a girl. Um, the way that you embrace your first womanhood, however you embrace it, even after all the therapy and the understanding of whether you did it correctly or incorrectly, will stay with you in some measure. Yeah. And so it will either come back to haunt you or it will come back to support you. I'm not saying that you can't ever get over it. Yeah. I'm saying that it it will always be a part of you. And so let's equip our girls to be able to embrace the changes and feel empowered by them. I think... Um... 
I think you're right on. And it sounds like in a weird, in a weird way, what you're being is you're, you're being their guide. Yes. You're being yes. the guide on this thing called life That's and the body. Right. Yeah, really. Right. And it's the same with guys. Guys have body image things, but we want muscles. Right. And, you know, you know, like, yeah, like hair on your chest is going to matter. It's going to be a sign of something. Right, right. Except I guess now they don't want it on your chest. So they shave it. But in the end, um, there's all these kind of manly things we expect to be, too. So to have right. your dad take you aside and do the same thing. Right. But this body, it's just... It's going to change. You're going to get older. Right. Look at grandpa. Look at me. Look right. how this goes. Right. Let's have some not just matter of fact discussions, but discussions where we can be excited about that yeah. instead of. And so, I, you know, I consciously, you know, right now, because we all have that demon inside of us, I feel like I'm 10 pounds overweight. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. Like. Not because I'm so thin, but because who thinks that? Like, we just right. shouldn't – we shouldn't be thinking about our weight. I your mean, identity should not be your weight. Right. A hundred years ago, women didn't know what they weighed. Right. They didn't have scales in their home. Like, why do – why does it matter? That number doesn't matter, but we're teaching our girls that ne- that their life is numbers, their pant size, their weight, and, and we just need to get rid of all of those numbers so that they can embrace who they really are. Hmm. And change the world. I, I think you're right on. And I mean, even what we say as a parent, like we might say something, oh, you look so good. Hun, you look so good in that right. dress. That right. dress is so thinning. Right. I mean, we make all these comments when maybe we ought not be pointing out their skinny, thinning dress. Right. Well, and you know, and, and, and it swings both ways. I, You know me. You know me you after swing, one episode. You swing so, all over the place. I'm, I'm, I'm relatively moderate. So I, I do think that you can go too far where it's okay for your daughter to f- want to feel pretty. Yeah. That's okay. And it's okay. It's okay to congratulate her on presenting herself in a way that is complimentary to who she really is. I don't think that we need to be that extreme. But um, but I do agree. The point of the dress shouldn't be that it's thinning. It should be that it's green and looks good with her eyes. Right. Right. So it's interesting. Or, um, I mean, again, see, the neat thing about the eyes is that's 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 not changing. The right. eyes are – it's not your waistline. It looks good because your waist is so skinny. Right, or because, right. Because, but I do also like the fact that we focus on their choices and we can point out their choices. Right. Or we can point out their character strengths. Right. Like I like, I like how hard you're working and, and how disciplined you are when you go running right. every day. Exactly, exactly. And build up the fact that they're disciplined and they have the character to do that instead right. of you're looking so skinny. Right, exactly. Well, and I feel like, you know, when I first had my daughter, I had um, a rather uh, militant friend who I think actually ended up being right on this. But she pulled me aside and, and told me, rather than advise me, <laughs> never tell her she is um, smart and never tell her she is pretty because those two things do not define her. Well... Again, I think that that's a little bit extreme, yeah. but um, but but there there is more to my daughter than that. There is her core, her yeah. soul, the thing that makes me weep and jump with excitement, and that is what we are here to show her. As right. a mother, that is my job. I'm supposed to help introduce that person to her, and and the rest is just is just icing. It just doesn't matter, and she'll figure it out. But it seems like the rest seems so much easier to point out, right? Because but I guess it's just us going lazy. Right. Well, yeah, if you're not a creative thinker. It's, and, and I guess maybe that's too part of this problem where it's easier to, to just think somebody that's overweight is just lazy right. than they are uh, struggling with something. Well, and 
Well, and here's the thing. I think that we're all victims of the society that we're growing up in right now. I mean, we're all growing up and we're all, if we're buying into the message, we are as victimized by it as the people that are implementing yeah. and having oh, to deal yeah. with the message. So, yeah. so I think, I think that you do need to have some understanding for people who are also working through how they perceive others around them. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right. Well, and I think part of it is just having the discussion, like saying, you know, I mean, like we were talking about on the show earlier, I think we're all one back injury away from gaining from from being overweight right you're one uh, abusive childhood away right from experiencing why the the need to medicate yourself with something right well and it's it's just like you said earlier it's the and i'm not even going to call it a flaw or a vice it's the it's the person and it's not a personality trait but it's the thing that you can see yeah. whereas we're all dealing with things that are not physical that you cannot see right. and so um so i i think that i think that again that the fat phobia thing the thing that you guys have been talking about i think it's a projection of our own insecurities our own fear of being out of control yeah. and um, and maybe the way that we have dealt with the transitions and transformations in our own lives. I mean, the person that is angry at someone else for having an extra yeah. taco is really yeah. a sad yeah. kind, of, <laughs> kind of person, right? I mean, they're yeah. the ones in need of help because I will so always true. have the extra taco. Well, and why so. wouldn't you? And I would, I would actually have a taco supreme. Well, yeah. Just mm-hmm. because I think supreme always tastes better than just regular. So if you could just add supreme to the ending of anything. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, sure. like um, cancer supreme. Yeah, cancer joke's not as funny as you would See, think. See, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So maybe supreme doesn't work. <laughs> right, right. Maybe the Matt Townley <laughs> show supreme we ought to call it instead <laughs> right. of grande. We've been calling it supreme. But see, that's interesting. But like we, that's, how we, that's how we've been sold, right? So everything right. is bigger and better. So you want more. You want more skinny. Right. You want well, more – not even – we don't even want health and we don't look at it just so we can breathe better. We right. want to get healthy so we can look taut. Well, and here's the thing. Again, you're, by the time you're done having me on this show, you're going to be like, could she talk about womanhood one more time? Oh, I word. don't think That's so. That's all she talks oh, about. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but – um. I, I do know that men struggle with weight issues, I, and but I think that most of that is a runoff from how how women have been taught to care about their weight. And I think it's a way to control women and to take their focus off of the things that they should be focused on, whether it's um, empowering one another. And, and I think that I think that we also need to acknowledge that as women, we are our own um, our own worst critics, but we are also the harshest judges of women. Oh yeah, another. oh, by far. Absolutely. I men mean, do not judge women nearly as no, much as women judge. No, I, mean, I know men a lot are of really men. great with your body. Right. It's just great. Your Basically, body's it's great. Like you have a body. Yeah. And you let me touch it. And it's this hot. Is yeah. So fantastic. That's different than what women say. Right. Women are like, right. oh, huh, you don't wear that. Right, right. But women, um, we, we fat shame ourselves constantly, yeah. but then we are not part of a sisterhood that supports one another. Right. We fat shame no, each other right. constantly. I mean, who's buying People magazine? Who's buying Star? That's another yeah. one, right? It, okay. Know. There's one that says, okay, Jessica know. Simpson's See, on it a I, lot. I, when I'm at the store, I don't, I'm not allowed to look because, at those because my wife's standing right there. Well, but it's women buying them. Yeah, totally. You also probably wouldn't be interested in looking yeah, at them. But, but maybe, though. I, I don't want to judge. No, I don't if you so. want them, no. that's fine. I know what to bring next time I come. I'm good. I'm full of the Kardashians. I've got enough Kardashians. Kardashian in me to last a life. But it's women buying them. And I flipped through one before I came in, um, just while I was waiting in line at Walmart. And um and one of the one of the main spreads in the magazine I have, and I'm assuming that it's a regular feature, was it was called like 
not like us or just like us. I think it was just like us. But it was celebrities with bars over their eyes, and it was pictures of cellulite and saggy oh, eyes. Man. And so as women, is that what we think is empowering? And yeah. is that what I want my Let's daughter show to think that, right. is empowering? Let's show that they're right. broken. Right, but we're buying that and we're putting money into that. So as women, we need to stop pretending that we're victims That's instead great. of – because. We're doing it to ourselves yeah. and we're doing it to our sisters and we're doing it to our daughters. Love that. And I'm not even a sister or a daughter. Well, give it time, right? <laughs> give me time. I was raised by <laughs> sisters and daughters. I, I love that. You're not, you're not a victim. And so right, all of us, when, right. we, when, we're, when we're addressing or dealing with somebody that um, is different, that has a different body type, we can understand them. We can go sympathize. We can go... Give them the benefit of the doubt. We don't right. have to immediately have this judgment and an immediate competition with them. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I, um, I, you know, it's like when they have the discussions about race, do you say that you, you see a person's race or are you, or do you not see the person's race? Right. Well, I think that the same thing, do I notice your body or do I not notice your yeah. body? Well, again, let's look in the eyes, no yeah. matter what the person looks like. I I guess that um, I was raised in a family where both of my parents have struggled with their weight and off and on, and they've been triumphant sometimes, and they have felt less than triumphant other times, but all I've ever seen is their eyes. Yeah. I just don't care. Yeah. I mean, and maybe that makes me a horrible person, no. but I just don't care. Can we stop caring? Can well, we start being interested in being healthy? Because you love them. Right. And if you want to influence them, you don't influence them by pointing out their body parts. Right. You influence them by loving them and letting them know you love them unconditionally. Right. Well, and I, Then you and, can address stuff. Right. But right. address it from love and acceptance, not from Right. But I have literally disgust. no interest in addressing anything to do with their bodies. Yeah. Well, what, what There's you, so that's many not other your role. Things. Right. Exactly. Right. right. What and about so, their health? Because that's different. Like, I want you around. I need you to be oh, my sure. grandparent to my kid. Sure. I need you to be able to go to the zoo with us. I think that's a good conversation to have in a, in a place of love. Mm-hmm. You can have that. But at the same time, do you think that they don't want to be around? No, do you they think? Don't. I mean, they know. Yeah. They know. And so yeah. I, I – and if we're talking about parents, like can we stop trying to raise our parents oh, already? Oh, please. It's all over, right? They didn't even raise us. Right. <laughs> why I am barely I, made it. Why am I trying to raise them? <laughs> Meg, you're the best. We're talking with Meg Conley. Uh, go to her website, meganprogress.com. She's still in progress. Still working. Thought We thought you were there, but now <laughs> we're realizing she's still in progress. Yikes. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I think we're going to wrap up the show with a little bit of a game. How many calories in it, if we're going to get to that? Oh, we're going to do a quiz. The fat phobia quiz. Ooh. Think of it as like the racism of weight. The, the are, weightism. Are you weightist? Weighterism. We're making up a name for it right here, Fat Phobia, on the Matt Townsend Show. Join us in a few more minutes right here on BYU Radio. Yeehaw! Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Hoedown. Skyboys put together this little bit of hee-haw music for us. It's really good, Sky. Thanks. I can't really take this. This is my favorite part. This reminds me of like a a little bee just flying around the barn. You feel it? Yeah, I feel it. I don't know why the barn. Imagine it. You feeling it? Yeah. So, folks, (laughs) that's the Matt Townsend Hoedown. This is the Matt Townsend Show, and on today's show, we've been talking about fat phobia, or maybe what we might also call weight bias, where... 
Now it's apparently more okay to just discriminate against people, whether subtly, whether intentionally or unintentionally. We might just have a natural way of seeing people. And our own Merritt Meekham has been putting together some research for us. This out of Yale University. Explain what we're about to do here, Merritt. Yeah, this is called the Fat Phobia Scale. So this is a test you can kind of take yourself. Okay. And... um, this is my view of other people yeah. and so how I see fat. it kind of just f- makes you aware of fat. how you view people who are overweight. Okay. Yeah. And it comes, again, from Yale University. So they so, know. Yeah. They better, we would hope. I mean, they've studied it. Yes. Okay. Um, now, are so, you yeah. listening, Sky? I he want you to, to listen. Get your pen out. You'll need a pen. Are you going to imagine yourself, Matt? That's what I was wondering. Oh, <laughs> so Sky's the epitome. What we like to have Sky do is say everything you're not supposed to say on the show He's for Fatphobia. He's doing a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's We're not gonna... hard when Matt's the host, so. Yeah. He's kind of rude that way. Anyway, uh, next tomorrow we'll do a show on um, gingerphobia. <laughs> That's the fear of redheads. <laughs> I don't know if there's a study from Yell on that one. But we'll check into it. Okay, okay Merritt, take <laughs> us on the quiz. Okay, here you go. So what I need you guys to do is imagine somebody who you're around often, who you know well, yes. um, who is um, overweight. Okay. Or if you want to take it really generally, just think of overweight people in general. Just in general. Somebody yeah. you see at the store. And what I'll do is I'll give you a pair of words. Okay. And then you need to give one of these pair of words to the person you're thinking of. Okay. Okay, ready? Number one, lazy or industrious. Hmm. And you, there's, it's a spectrum, right? So I yeah. could, it's a, it's a range. Mm-hmm. It could be one or the other, or somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hmm. You ready for number two? Or are you still thinking? No, that was interesting, though. Okay. <laughs> okay, keep going. Okay, number two: no willpower versus has willpower. Okay. Okay, number three: attractive or unattractive. Interesting. Number four, good self-control or poor self-control? Fast or slow? Totally slow. (laughs) Did I say that out loud? (laughs) Having endurance versus having no endurance. Yes. Active versus inactive. Weak versus strong. Self-indulgent versus self-sacrificing dislikes food or likes food, shapeless versus shapely, undereats versus overeats, insecure versus secure, and finally, low self-esteem versus high self-esteem. Hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So if you just think about it, and if you think maybe about a person you might know really personally, it's very likely that they won't have those negative traits yeah, that no, were on that list. They're good people. Yeah. But they don't mean, yeah. No, but maybe if you thought of overweight people in general, you would yeah. have subscribed them to. Oh yeah, part of, lazy, you know. poor self-control, yeah. slow. Yeah. I think the other thing interesting about these words, though, is we give them our own definitions. Totally. And it's so, true. and so again, we're having to see somebody else through a completely different lens that cannot, may not apply to them. I mean, weak versus strong, like in what sense? Mm-hmm. And so I think that if we're thinking purely physically versus emotionally or the things that they've weathered in their lives, their words have multiple definitions. See, Meg, you complicated it again. <laughs> You're welcome. You could have just left it black and white <laughs> and you went all gray on us. Well, here's an interesting good, one. Um, 
a lot of these words, and maybe the ones we might view as more negative, though I don't mean this in a negative way, a lot of these words, especially maybe like low self-esteem and insecure, that applies to a lot of people I know who are very thin. Oh, man. Yeah. That's the NFL. So, <laughs> but, the I mean, NFL? They, yeah, but they seem to have high self-esteem, but right? you don't treat people the way sometimes you see them treating. You don't do the things, some of the things that they do. You right. don't act the way if you had self-worth and self-esteem. Nobody in the NFL is thin. I, I don't know how, yeah, I've never heard of the NFL is suffering from low self-esteem. I like that. It's a, it's a new group to throw into that pot. Yeah. Well, I just watched it last night. <laughs> it was really good. Really good game, by the way. <laughs> but no, I just know that if people had self-worth, you wouldn't do, you wouldn't That's commit true. half the right. crimes that are coming out of there. Hypothetically, I feel like a lot of this just comes out where for people are looking for some external factor to prove to them that they have worth in some way. Yeah. Where that needs to be completely intrinsic. That needs to be something you create yourself based on the actions that you have, the thoughts that you give yourself, and just your value as a human being in general. If you don't believe that and you're looking for somebody else to confirm your worth, you're never going to get it because right. people don't like validating other people no. like it's not something we do a whole bunch let's not start doing that yeah and the mirror won't do that, <laughs> that scale won't be do exhausting. That. <laughs> i don't validate myself time to validate you <laughs> okay so meg wrap it up for us if you sit here a whole show on fat or judging people because of their weight what do people need to know what's the takeaway the takeaway is that you need to understand your core worth before you can begin to other, understand other people's core worth. Huge. And so once you understand what it truly means to value as a person, you won't see weight as anything except for something to put clothes on. It has it's nothing just, to do with the person behind it. It's a yeah. hanger. Sometimes it's a softer hanger. Who cares? It's like exercise equipment. Right. You just right. hang your clothes on it. Something to dust. That's exactly. <laughs> exa- I love it. Meg Conley, appreciate you. Go check out meganprogress.com. Folks, that's the show. Thanks again for joining us. Remember that uh, when it comes right down to it, we all are good on the inside. We're good people, and uh, our bodies don't make us. They just give us a chance to exercise the great spirit that's within us. That's the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow. Give you more ideas, more tools, hopefully help you see the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 